I'm looking for Corporal Shives, Stephen C. Uh, I'm Shives, sir. Huh. You know how to podcast? Yes, sir. Movie review? Y- yes. I specialize in French New Wave. My Herzog is exemplary. You're reassigned to me. Grab your gear. We're reviewing Saving Private Ryan. Uh, sir. Sir, there are fans of that movie. Yes, Corporal. Sir, a lot of fans. You have a problem with that, Corporal? No, I've never been in that kind of movie combat. I make YouTube videos, essays. I need someone who can co-host a movie review podcast. My guys were killed. Killed? But I haven't held a microphone since training, sir. Did you use the microphone during training? Yes, sir. Then get your gear. Yes, sir. Uh, sir, how how does the show open? Like this. Ryan! Anybody know Ryan? 101st Airborne? Ryan? You know a guy named Ryan? Private James Ryan from Iowa? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic film and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, we're taking a classic war movie, right, Steve? Oh, boy. It's it, For as recent as it is, I still think we can safely say it's the granddaddy of all World War II movies. Of all World War II movies, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's not the granddaddy of all greatest war movies, right, oh, I Steve? Wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that either, no. We already reviewed that movie. <laughs> <laughs> we sure <What>? did. E.T. <laughs> I remember that scene where one of the E.T.'s had his guts all over the beach, screaming for mama. I remember that. That was great. Home. <laughs> all the people from uh, Project Blue Book in the audience suddenly had to leave. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> How could you do this to me? Don't make me watch this again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, what? It's another Steven Spielberg movie about war, and it's not Raiders of the Lost Ark either. Yeah, it's Saving Private that Ryan. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Oh, did we? Oh, did we say it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Saving Private Ryan. That it's war in the movie title. Got, it's in the title of the podcast. That got all those accolades, and everyone said it's the most authentic World War II movie and a great war movie ever. Right, Steve? They all said that, and boy, were they pissed when Shakespeare in Love won Best Picture. Oh <laughs> my god! Oh, kind of, I kind of agree with that. Ooh. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> they were so mad. I'm still mad that a Gwyneth Paltrow film won for Best. Oh, oh, oh boy, now. that was a bad. Okay, don't get us started on the Academy Awards. You know we we hate them. <laughs> we know we don't have to. Do we? We don't have we to. Don't, go we over don't need that to go again. into it. No, we don't need to go into Why it. Why are you trying to make Pop Pop angry all over again about the Academy Awards? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> now I'm here to talk about the 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 war movie to end all World War Two war movies. Really walked up to well, supposedly walked up to John Wayne and slapped him in his dirty face and said, "How dare you lie about war? This is what real war is like, right, Steve? That's what this was supposed to be." Exactly. I'm pretty sure this was Spielberg trying to piss on the grave of John Wayne. Yes, <laughs> uh, that was his intention from the very beginning. And failing. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> Steve, do you have any trivia? Oh boy, I I don't know why I'm talking like my dear. Do you have any trivia for this uh, for this war movie by Steven Spielberg? Oh boy, do I have a juicy nugget of trivia 
for all the folks at home. Oh, I can't wait to taste time. the juice. Oh boy, get this ready! This is for, really gross. This is get ready for some <laughs> trivia juice. Okay, put so, that nugget in my mouth. So, <laughs> <laughs> wrap your lips around the trivia nozzle and get ready. Um, get ready for the juice nuggets. Oh, here of we knowledge. Go. Oh boy. Um, the so, audience is like, Jesus, this took a turn. <laughs> Why are we listening to this? Why? It's um, dirty, but not. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. What is um, a juice nugget? What is, I don't even know what that is. Is that? Is it filled with movie? Is it, I don't understand. Is it, is it like a starburst? Um... <laughs> So, Americans love this movie. World War II veterans and just military veterans in general, for the most part, really love this movie. You know most who, of them. Most of them. You know who don't like this movie so much? Nazis. <laughs> and <laughs> there, was, there was a letter written to Steven Spielberg in the 90s, right after this movie came out. By a guy Why named, do we care? By a guy named Hans Schmidt. Mm-hmm. And, and I know what you're thinking, Jason. You're thinking Hans Schmidt, the wrestler from the 50s and 60s who worked an evil German gimmick? No. Oh, my God. You plucked that thought directly out of my head. <laughs> I know. It's creepy, isn't it? No, it's this is really another creepy. This is another guy named Hans Schmidt who actually was an evil Nazi. And okay. he, he was, he was, he was uh, a Hitler youth. And then when he was old enough, he joined the SS. Yeah. And then after the war, he moved to the United States because we welcome Nazis. We like them. We love Nazis. We come, well, come live here, my friend. And so, and he Can spent we make most a of his TV show about you. Yeah, he spent most of his life living in the United States after the war, and he basically became like a professional Nazi. He published newsletters and was like a professional anti-Semitic, like crank type of guy. Okay, so he and, wrote and, a worthless and, letter to, and, and he wrote a letter to Steven Spielberg to complain about the depiction of German troops. And my favorite bit is when he complains to Steven Spielberg that, first of all, the German troops would not have congregated around the tanks like they do in the movie. And second of all, um, and this is my favorite, he says, furthermore, almost all the German soldiers seen in Private Ryan had their heads shaved or wore closely cropped hair, something Uh totally in conflict with reality. Perhaps you were confusing in your mind German soldiers with Russians of the time, or else your Jewishness came to the fore. And you oh wanted boy, to, do and, we care about this guy's opinion? <laughs> and you wanted to draw a direct line back from today's skinheads to the SS and other German soldiers. So this old Nazi who lived in Florida, by the way, which is where we keep a lot of our Nazis. This old Nazi wrote a letter to Steven Spielberg. This super, do they have a I'm, shoot or like a bin? Yeah, I drop know. off your Nazis yeah. here. There you go. Another one. Another one. Oh, really God, we, we 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 have plenty. We don't need any more. Um, but no, and and I love that he wrote. So this old Nazi writes to Spielberg to complain about the movie, and one of the things yeah. he complains about is the fact that their hair was wrong, which I guess yeah. just took him right out of the movie. Like the well, hair yeah. is wrong. They did not have the close cropped hair. <laughs> Why did you give the SS the wrong haircut? Okay, I have a yes. trivia that's more closely related to the movie. Tell, tell um, me. They made the stars go through a 10-week boot camp. Ah, yes. Just so that they, not everybody, not everyone could go, but it was like Vin Diesel and, and, and Tom Hanks and everyone went to go and play soldiers so they could make better <laughs> soldiers in the movie. Yeah, when they make also, pretend. Yeah, the the great big half hour or twenty seven minute. Actually, it's less than twenty seven minute. Um, uh, D Day scene um, was not scripted nor storyboarded. Oh wow! I see. I didn't know that. That's no. impressive. 
No, he set up and he said, I know basically what I want to do. A lot of it was handheld. A lot of it was handheld by him. They did a lot of things to the camera so that the the quality of the film that we're getting during that sequence was in camera. They did do a wash called a bleach process on the on the film to make it look like old battlefield footage or, you know, newsreel footage coming off of a from the 1940s. They did a lot. I mean, but that whole thing, I think, was made to be chaotic and you can't really correctly translate chaos if you have a storyboard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You can't have planned chaos. Right. So that's all my trivia. Do you have anything else? Nothing. Nothing about old No, Nazis? no. The, uh, the anti-Semitic Spielberg letter was my main thing. Yeah. Okay. The other thing is, is that opening sequence, um, while praised, um, also caused survivors of that of World War II and of Vietnam to suffer, uh, were triggered, and uh, for their PTSD. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And well, when we talked about when we mentioned at the end of the last show that we were doing this movie, I, I mentioned it, and it sounded maybe a little bit like a joke. But when, when I saw this movie in the theater, there were literally people who were who walked out of the theater sobbing during yeah. during the first during that first sequence. I mean, it was yeah. incredibly emotional for a lot of people. Yeah, it was. And you know what the good part is? Is right after that scene, they didn't miss much. Anyway, <laughs> so... It's okay. You saw the best part. It's okay. Go. Go home. Yeah. They, they, they missed all the sloppy patriotism. Yeah. Anyway, so let's keep going, shall we? And talk about who made the movie. <laughs> let's do it. Does Jason hate America? I, I don't... I don't know. Why am what? I talking to you like this, audience? Is this guy a commie? A pinko? What... No, I just don't like having my emotions plucked. Mm. Anyway, let's mm. go. What <laughs> a great review this is going to be. <laughs> let's talk about the folks who made it. It was directed by Steven Spielberg. You know who he is. We've probably reviewed more of his movies on the show than anybody else. He's yeah. done Jaws and Jurassic Park and E.T. And yeah. Uh, Back to the Future. I know he didn't direct that, but I'm saying it anyway. <laughs> he might as well have. Yeah, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> what else is it? Is that all the movies? We've I think all that's all the Spielberg we've actually done on the show, yeah. It's hard to tell. He made a lot. Yeah. Uh, it was produced by Ian Bryce, Mark Gordon, Gary Levinson, and Steven Spielberg. It was written by Robert Rodat. Wrote it in 1994, based it on, a, the. I think there was a true story about um, a bunch of brothers. I can't remember their name. We'll call them the Dilbergs. I, I, I don't remember the name <laughs> of the brothers. Do you remember? Um, I don't remember I... Four brothers, three of them died, one of them got sent home, then it turns out one of them wasn't dead, he was just in a in a POW camp in, in Japan, probably wished he was, considering yeah. how great the, the Japanese yeah. treated our POWs. Did, he didn't get the best treatment, yeah. No. Oh, you know what, they were the Nyland brothers, I just saw. The, the, Nyland, the Nyland brothers, brothers yeah. yeah. And so, uh, basically, it was the whole, hey, the whole family's been wiped out. Let's not have everybody die. Let's keep one brother. Meanwhile, families that only had one son to give, fuck them. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> hey, you should have had more kids. What am I going to tell you? Yeah, you should have had 19 children, and then that way we could we can milk the tragedy That's right. to get enlistment up. Well, that's what we did. The U.S. Army. Da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, the Navy had a family like that, too. I can't remember the name of them. I think it was the Williamsons or something. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The five brothers all served on the same ship. <laughs> dead. All dead. of them. Dead. Well, you know... They named ships after them. <laughs> the <laughs> Sullivans. The, Sullivan. the oh, Sullivan yeah. brothers. And, they, they, and their name dropped in the movie, I think. Yeah, their name um, dropped in the movie. Yeah. And they, the, there have been two ships named the Sullivans. Yeah. That uh, is named after them. But there's also 
posters up, a picture of all five of the Sullivan brothers that said they did their part to make you feel guilty for not joining the war. Now, don't get me wrong. If you wanted to join World War II, I get it. I would have done it, probably. More than likely, I would have. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, don't... It's kind of gross. Don't do that. Yeah. Well, you know, as, as President... 1940. <laughs> as President Nixon actually said to a mother whose son was killed in Vietnam and was meeting him with her younger children, oh, well, it's a terrible loss, but at least you have these other children. Oh, yay. He was a nice man. He was a very nice man. It sounds more like a Trumpism than it is. Yeah, well, give him time. Let him start a war first, <laughs> and then we'll hear all kinds of shit. Anyway, it stars Tom Hanks as Captain Miller, Tom Sizemore as Sergeant Horvath, Edward Burns as Private Rybin, Barry Pepper as Private Jackson, Adam Goldberg as Private Mellish, Vin Diesel as Private Caparzo, Gianov... Giovanni Rabisi as oh boy, why did they put that in there? As T4 Medic Wade, Jeremy Davies as Corporal Upham, Matt Damon as Private Ryan, Ted Danson as Captain Hamill, Jesus, this goes on. Paul oh, Giamatti yeah. as Sergeant Hill, Dennis Farina as Lieutenant Colonel Anderson, Jorg Stadler as Steamboat Willie. Hey, what a funny name to give that guy. Yeah, huh, Steve? He, he's such a delightful character too. <laughs> We're going to be hearing a lot about him during the review. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I lost my place. Max Martini as Corporal Henderson. Nathan Fillion as Minnesota Ryan. Yeah. Leland Orser as Lieutenant DeWind. Ryan Hurst as Paratrooper Mendelson. Harv Presnell as General Marshall. Dale Dye as War Department Colonel. Brian Cranston, yeah, that one, mm. as War Department Colonel. He's the one that doesn't have an arm. He's yeah. the one that's tucked his... Unfortunately, he had this tragic accident in one war where his arm became permanently tucked behind his back. Yeah, just it was paralyzed. He just couldn't move it. Sad. That's right. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> Harrison Young as Ryan as Old Man and Kathleen, Kathleen Byron as Only Woman Credited. <laughs> Good for her. As Old Mrs. Ryan, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense considering that we only see her as old. Yeah. We never see a young Mrs. Ryan, do we? She should have been called Mrs. Old Ryan. <laughs> How about we give her a first name? What? That would be neat. A woman? Music by Guess Who? Oh, no, I seriously, the band Guess Who. No, <laughs> music by John Williams. Oh, what else has he done? Nothing. <laughs> Cinematography by Janos Kaminski. Edited by Michael Kahn. Production company Amblin Entertainment and Mutual Film Company, distributed in the United States by DreamWorks Pictures and everywhere else by Paramount Pictures. It was released on July 24th, 1998. Running time, 169 goddamn minutes. Mm -mm -mm. Budget, $70 million. Box office, $481.8 million. So it made its money back, and then it went to the Academy Awards and got nominated, and Steven Spielberg won for Best Director. Yes, he did. And didn't win for Best Picture, because she fuck you. For, for some reason. <laughs> One of these days, we're just going to have to lay it all on the table and just do an Academy Awards show, where we literally talk about how worthless the Academy Awards are. Oh, boy. We could talk about all the great movies that never won. Yeah. <laughs> all that's a long goddamn oh, list. Oh, that's a huge list. <laughs> or we could do a show about the genuinely great films that did win, and it would be like a five-minute show. We could just rattle off a couple of titles. <laughs> 
Well, that was All right. Yeah, go ahead. All right, Steve, get your rock on. Come oh, here on. we go. Okay, we're going to be traveling light. Minimum, minimum equip. Minimum ammo load. We're just going to carry one weapon. You got it? I got it. Can I take my typewriter? Fuck you and your typewriter. Uh, Put it, no, it's garbage. Uh, Leave geez. it over there. Oh, jeez. <laughs> helmet on, goddammit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right, and let's march into the World War II epic drama war movie, Saving Private Ryan. Steve? Yes. Take it away. Well, I'll give Steven Spielberg this much. He lets us know what we're in for from the very first shot, because as soon as we fade up from the credits, uh, we we start with literal flag-waving. The first <laughs> shot of the film <laughs> is a waving American flag, beautifully That's... lit with the sun behind it. That's right. And then we meet our unnecessary framing device. Oh, we I mean, sure do. Grandpa. This is and, th- this is to yeah. ease the audience in. <laughs> to be like, oh, don't worry, it won't be carnage from the yeah, very because we beginning. started to panic once we we're like, oh, oh no, oh no, oh okay, okay. Oh, it's just gonna be. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna just. And we're ease just into gonna it. follow this sad grandpa walking around. Yeah, a park. yeah. We see sad grandpa walking like a hundred feet in front of his family. Like yeah, he, like completely he's, separate. He's like, fuck off, family. <laughs> like he's looking for the bathroom, you know. And I have a feeling that this argument happened in the French restaurant before they went over to the Normandy American Cemetery oh, and Memorial, yeah. which something like this. It was personal. I didn't talk about it then. I don't want to talk about it now. And I didn't want you on this fucking trip. John, put your goddamn camera down. If you take another picture of me, I swear to fucking Christ, I'm going to pop you one right in the mush. Dad, I just want to m- memorialize this. I have enough of a goddamn memorial sitting right over there. I don't need you assholes following me around. Now stay in the restaurant. He just walks off, and they're back there, and his son's taking a picture of yeah. the ba- his back. Of the back of his father, grandfather, yeah, whoever, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you fuckers, you weren't worth this. I was not supposed to survive to have you. <laughs> Poor grandpa, he just keeps marching ahead of us, shaking his head and muttering, I didn't earn this, I didn't earn this, I didn't earn this. <laughs> The only time he cried is when he looked at us all standing there in the hotel lobby waiting for him to come down. <laughs> Shook his head and wept bitter tears. I've never seen him sadder. <sighs> anyway, so we follow this guy through the Normandy American Cemetery Memorial where yeah. thousands of American soldiers have been interred on foreign soil. Yeah. And they were the ones that died during the Normandy invasion. Okay, If you don't know what the Normandy invasion is, you don't know what Omaha Beach is, Stop. <laughs> this, <laughs> unfortunately, this movie won't really tell you. It'll it'll show you it, some yeah, of it, it up won't close. Really, yeah, it'll be like, oh no, that's bad, bloody beach. That's bad. not good. You'll never forget what happened on bad, bloody beach. Who put these huge metal things on bad, bloody beach? Uh, I don't like the look of this, Sarge. <laughs> anyway, so he walks into the the cemetery, and then he kind of falls down a little bit, and he's upset, and then um, Spielberg tricks us oh boy does he ever yeah spielberg intentionally tricks us yep how does he do it well we pan into the old man's face tear his tears tears welling up in his eyes and then we cut to what steve we cut to uh omaha beach on d-day yep and we're centered on our main character captain john miller played by tom hanks oh you mean where the movie should have started yeah exactly with his hands trying to shakily open a canteen. Yeah, that's that's it would have been a really good way to start the movie, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Then we pan up to what is basically a matching frame of the last frame we had of the old man, yeah. but of Sergeant Miller with his eyes. Yeah. By the way, this frame is only repeated with the Tom Hanks character and the char- the old man character that we met before we did the flashback. Right. That's the trick. It's very sneaky. It's very manipulative. Yeah. It's meant to make you think that you know who this guy is. But, right. But and yeah, but you don't because we need to have one of them twists at the end, don't we? <laughs> yeah, that's what this movie needed, a Rod Serling twist. <laughs> you didn't see that coming, did you? <sighs> <laughs> anyway, so they are in their uh, Thompson boats. Is that what they're called? Yeah. I can't remember. And they're on their way across the channel to land at Omaha Beach. I think the plan was to land at Utah, wasn't it? Um, I don't know. I know they 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 talk in the in the Utah was barely defended. I mean, yeah. I know they there's got... there's some confusion when when they finally get on the beach. They and they're talking to each other. They're, it takes them a while to figure out where they actually are. Okay, so here's the thing: the the landing at Omaha Beach, the this day of D Day could have been the whole film. I'm oh, just boy. say this right now. Yeah. This could have been the whole film. There was so much more they could have added in. This could have been the whole film, and we could have followed an actual platoon instead of a fucking made-up one. But since we're going to follow the fucking made-up one, we're going to follow Tom Hanks's platoon, and we follow them from when they open the doors at the landing, that everyone inside of the fucking Thompson t- inside the boat gets killed oh, by man. enemy yeah. machine gun fire. Um, I, we're gonna. I, I'm gonna get Steve. We're just skipping this part. Okay. We're just skipping it. Okay. Okay. So much happens in this densely packed I would say about 20 minutes of film because yeah. we wasted about five following the old man around the cemetery um, but here's basically what happens there's a gigantic meat grinder and we watch people walk directly into it Yeah, and some of them manage to get up to the beach they blow a hole in the defenses they get up to the pillboxes that has been raining death upon these guys ever since it started they kill a bunch of Germans and they, they take the beach the end if you want to know more about what happened, you're right. I mean, basically, that's all the information you're given in yeah. the film. We're inter- kind of introduced to these guys as they as they m- mow their way all the way up and up into the pillboxes, and they start taking prisoners and all that stuff. All of that <clears throat> is all. That's all the information we're given about about this event. This event could have been. There's a there's a matching cut. At the end of where we know that this segment of the film is over, when we pan down from the close-up of, of uh, Tom Hanks's face down to his canteen where he takes another sip of water and he closes it. Right, right? yeah. That is that is the bookends. Right, that closes what, the circle, yeah. What should have been this movie, right? Oh, I, yeah, you, yeah, you're right. They could have easily made a whole movie just about the landing on Omaha Beach. Could have yeah. and should have. Yeah. There was a lot that didn't get covered. They mention it, and some people mention it in, like, off, you know, remarks. But, I mean, saying that he captured war and he captured violence and he captured the confusion and all that other stuff, I think he did. I think he did a very good job. I think this sequence is excellent. And most people who mention this movie are mentioning this movie specifically for this 20-minute section. Right, Steve? Oh, absolutely. I think with without that, without the, the Omaha Beach section, I don't think... This movie is gets nearly the attention that it gets. Yeah, there's yeah, forty. Totally agree. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. There's uh, there's two more hours of film <laughs> after that sequence. Yeah. Okay, so they do the thing. They get up there. You know, we burn we burn some German soldiers. We shoot some German soldiers that have surrendered. You know, we don't really get to know the guys in the platoon yet, and the so and then it's over. 
And then we're panning along the beach to the fiercely patriotic and kind of sad but still heroic uh, John Williams music as we pan along a beach soaked in blood and dead people and body parts. Right, Steve? Yeah, where the, one of the one of the really to me one of the most gruesome touches of this whole sequence isn't like the gore and the carnage that you saw up to this point, but the fact that the 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 water is is blood red. There's well, so I much. I think the most gruesome gruesome thing about this is that uh, Spielberg, scared of his own visuals, had to layer on a cheesy soundtrack. Oh, it would have been so much more effective if it had been. If just, it had just been the sound of the water. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but yeah, that's it's. Of all, I I noticed that when I was watching it to to prepare for this is that of all the the brutality and the carnage and the people being blown up and all that awful graphic stuff like that yeah. that blood red water is almost the most upsetting thing in the whole mm-hmm. sequence because you re- yeah. it just oh shit what must how much must have happened to tint the water so it, it it's just yeah. blood red um yeah, yeah. and we we're, we're zooming in on 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 the back of one of these fallen soldiers and and mm-hmm. and his backpack has his name and it's S Ryan oh oh okay the end. The end. We oh, saved him. They, yeah, they, we found. Oh, they, we they, found him. We saved Private Ryan for last because that's nope, the last. This shot. marks when the Spielberg crap starts. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough of that. That was depressing, huh? Anyway, now, now we dissolve. Cut to the room of magic typewriters where they talk in other people's voices. Right, Steve? Yeah. Is this where they're trying to recreate Shakespeare by just randomly typing stuff? <laughs> And instead of monkeys, it's secretaries? It's secretaries. Just type whatever comes into your mind, monkeys. <laughs> We're going to make some Shakespeare. It's basically the room where secretaries type out the condolence letter yeah. from the officers who are in charge of the enlisted men that die. And, of course, we can't figure that out. <clears throat> it kind of has to be spelled out to us because we're children. <laughs> and so he does a lot of voiceover of the commanding sergeant saying, Johnny was a good man. He he valiantly, you know, stood up right in front of where the Germans were and dared them to shoot him and they shot him. And that was, uh, and then they cut across to another guy going, Billy was shot in the back as he ran away. Or, you know, it's just a bunch of guys. Yeah. And one of the ladies, was it one of the ladies notices that some people have the same last name, right? Right. I think she, she notices she has two and then she gets up and she picks through the letters of someone else and finds another yeah. one. Yeah, and what she notices is they're all addressed to the same person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This poor this poor lady. And, uh, of course, she doesn't get to take that to... We don't get to hear her bringing that forward. We hear um, Brian Cranston, I think. Yeah. Who is it that brings it forward? Well, it's the... Eisenberg I- says we got to save... Pri- he's he's, yeah, he's exactly. the one that brings it in and goes, we've got a saving private riot situation. Exactly. <laughs> Say his name. Yeah, they bring him, bring him in, and he's like, "Hey, look, this lady's gonna get three letters." And then the general's like, "Oh, no, that's bad." Hey, this reminds me, I've got this Lincoln letter that I'm gonna read to yeah. you in its entirety. Me, yeah, I'm gonna read it. Lincoln told us we have to go and save him. That's what Lincoln says. <laughs> I guess that's what Lincoln says. Actually, it's a letter of Lincoln giving condolences to a lady who, of whom. Yeah, he kind of got all of her sons killed. That's that. Yeah. Oops. I, I don't. It doesn't say anything about saving one. No. He doesn't say in the future we'll try to save one. <laughs> That's not what it says. It's just, it's just thanks for thanks for all your kids yeah. is what it says. The union appreciates your sacrifice. Have a good day. I hope your womb is still fertile to produce another one. Can we have that one too? Yeah, if if the war's still if going there's on, there's still a war. We might need that one too. Anyway, he quotes Lincoln, and he says, we're going to go find him, we're going to bring him home, right? Yeah. 
Huh, I wonder who will have to do that job. Probably people we haven't met yet. You don't think they'd give that job to the Tom Hanks guy, do you? I think that's exactly what happens next. So we're back in Normandy. Tom Hanks comes up and his boss is like, hey, that was a tough job. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh. And he's (laughs) like, hey, I got another tough job for you. I want you to take a small group of guys and try to find this guy during the Normandy invasion. During during the Normandy invasion. That's what we... (laughs) We want you to do that thing. We want you... To go find a guy during the invasion of of Normandy. Yeah, he, he parachuted in somewhere a couple of days ago. Yeah, we have that no to idea make things where he even is. worse. He's a paratrooper. <laughs> we have no idea and they, where he they is. landed all over the place. <laughs> We're pretty sure that he missed his target too, so that's no help. Uh, <laughs> while you're at it, I want you to shit out a brick of gold right here in front of me. And uh... also, do you have any ideas for how we could win this war? <laughs> We're like out. I mean, we're like out of. We them. thought taking the beach would pretty much seal the deal, but they're still fighting. Yeah. Anyway, so he basically gives him this impossible task, and he just goes ahead and says, "Yeah, I'm going to do it," because he's an American and he does things. That's right. He takes takes orders. He's right? a good soldier. Then, so he tells his sergeant, uh, Sergeant Horvath, right? Yeah. Yeah. I played. Oh, what happened to him? Oh boy, his his whole life went down the toilet. I know. Yeah. I mean, this is Tom Sizemore is a Tom great Sizemore, actor, yeah. and he just kind of he, he has problems outside of being an actor. Oh, big time! Kind of consume, yeah, which is a shame because he's a fucking great actor. Yeah. Anyway, he gives one of the best performances in this movie, I think. Yeah, yeah. usually he gives one of the. He did a lot of crap too, and he's usually the only one that gives a good performance. <laughs> yeah, you know who was good in that? Tom Sizemore. We people say that a lot. Uh huh. Yeah. Anyway, so he uh, he sends him off to tell the guys. He says, "Get the group together," and he's like, "We need somebody who can speak German and French. Our guys are dead." So he goes and gets a liability for the company. Yes, he does. I mean, an interpreter. <laughs> and who's that, Steve? That is Corporal Upham. Oh, good. And I bet he's ready for combat. He doesn't look like he has four F written all oh, over boy. him. Oh boy, yeah. Well, he. This- Despite the fact that he's in the typing pool yeah. and he's never seen combat, for some reason he seems to have less weight on him than the fucking soldiers that have been starving for the yeah. last few years. He's he's one of those, he's the type that a lot of these war movies have. He's the innocent. He's yeah. the guy who walks into the, the real combat situation for the first uh-huh. time all wide-eyed and idealistic and, oh, guess what happens One to him? One of the points that they made in this scene was Tom Hanks sees... That they're getting, they're eating these salami sandwiches that are ridiculously stacked high with salami. Yes, yeah. And getting coffee. And he looks at it like he hasn't had that shit in months. Upham has been eating that food. Yeah. Upham is part of that group. Why does he look like he's a heroin addict, Steve? (laughs) Well, maybe you just answered your question. (laughs) Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Maybe he's got a little problem, you know? (laughs) Anyway, he's nervous. He's never been in combat. He wants to bring his typewriter. He's stupid. I hate him. I hate him, and he's a trope. I hate him, and he's a fucking trope. Remember, they sold this thing on, oh, this is so realistic, and we're getting rid yeah. of all those tropes. He's a fucking trope. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, anyway, he says, you're coming with us, spy, And he leaves, and they go. And now they're walking. They're walking off to go find Ryan, right? Yeah. But he's got a problem with it. Yeah, because well, here we're, we're like 40 minutes into the movie, and now we finally get to, to start to get to know our main characters. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And they're all kind of jerks. Yeah. But I noticed something while I was listening to them, Steve. What'd you notice, my friend? That they're the same goddamn tropes from all the other World War II movies. Oh, that's so weird. 
It's almost I mean, like come... it's almost like once you really get into the meat of the movie, it's not that different from any other World War II movie. <laughs> we got the street smart Jewish kid. We got the street smart kid from Brooklyn. We got the street smart Italian guy. Yeah. We got we got the hillbilly that can shoot a rifle good with a sniper, and he says, and he prays to Jeebus every time he shoots his rifle, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, Steve? That, because that gives him power. I guess that's his superpower. <laughs> Lord grant me strength. A lot of people praise this film for being original, and um, I think a lot of people praise the film for being as accurate as they can for the first twenty minutes of the film. But then after this, just because they have problems and they gripe and they cuss, use cuss words, yeah. doesn't mean that the tropes are any different than before. No, it's it's a grittier Frank Capra movie for a lot of it. It is yeah. a much grittier, you know, World War Two yeah. war propaganda film, yeah. which we'll see as we continue forward. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, Upham, Upham wants to get to know people, and they laugh at him, and ha ha ha, and they say everything's foobar, and he doesn't know what that word means. Um, they should have said snafu, too, right in front of him. They were like, good. <laughs> what? I don't know you, that one either. You mean that, that cartoon guy I saw when I enlisted? <laughs> um, yep. And then we they show up at a town where they think Ryan's going to be, and then they fight, and there's fighting stuff. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's a little miscommunication with a French family who wants to wants them to take their child to safety. Well, first we meet Sergeant Hill. Oh, yes, that's played right. By, played by Paul yeah. Giamatti, yeah. Paul, Paul Giamatti. And he's like, I don't know where this guy is. Are you serious? And then they <laughs> go into the town. <laughs> that's what you're here for, for real? Yeah. And then there's this French family. They're the only French people we meet. And so we have to assume that they're the representatives of the French people. Yeah. And they're just standing in a bombed-out house, getting rained on, screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we're still here, but help us. Save us. Save us. We're standing here. Help us. We're not taking cover. Literally three of the four walls of our apartment is blown out. We're... Hey, Save... how long have we been? how long have we been here? I don't know. <laughs> Save us, Americans! We're helpless. Uh huh. And Tom Hanks is like, leave those, leave them alone. And they're trying to give their children to the Americans. And then um, Vin Diesel, who plays Caparzo, goes, "No, I'm going to help him." He grabs the kid. Tom Hanks takes the kid away, and Caparzo gets shot. Oops! And he falls down on the ground. And it turns out there's a sniper up in the bell tower who I swear to fucking God, that was Kevin Costner. They went back in time and put Kevin Costner up there because fuck, he looked like Kevin Costner. (laughs) Who the fuck was that? (laughs) You really think Kevin Costner would snipe for the Nazis? He was like, I want to play a Nazi and I don't want you to put my name in the movie. <laughs> I'm kind of ashamed of Why, it. Why, Kevin? I just have my reasons to put me in the uniform. I've always really wanted to play a Nazi, you guys. Steve, Steve, we have to make the differentiation. He was part of the German infantry. Okay. He, he was not a Nazi. No, he just killed people for the Nazis. So we have to make yes. that different. We have to draw that distinction. We have to draw that distinction. Let's get it right. Okay. Stop Sorry. It. I don't mean to anybody who might be offended. <laughs> That we, we, we failed to distinguish between the Nazis and the people who killed people for the Nazis. I'm sorry. I apologize. Remember what happened to people who refused to fight. <laughs> Especially at this point in the That's war. That's true. They were, getting, they were getting a little punchy. No, you're in the army. No, you're in the fucking army. No. <laughs> no, now you're in the ground, no. blank. <laughs> so you don't want to join the army, do you? <laughs> 
All right. So anyway, yeah. then uh, Gomer Pyle shoots, gets up there, and gets a sniper rifle together while Caparzo <laughs> bleeds to death. Gomer fucking and, Pyle. <laughs> I'm sorry. Gomer Pyle was a marine, so I, that, which is even funnier if you think about it. Anyway, so uh, the bumpkin lines up his his shot and makes a completely impossible shot. Yeah. Where he shoots the sniper through his scope into his eye yeah. and kills him. But not before Caparzo dies. Oh, yeah. Holding a letter out for his mama or his dad. There's no tropes in there, right, no, Steve? No, not at all. Well, no. you know, Vin Diesel, I mean, he he went on to do bigger and better things. He is Groot, so, you know. Keep forgetting that he's a good actor. He's a terrific actor. Yeah, <laughs> he's a terrific actor. When he's not playing cliché. <laughs> yeah, when he's not playing cliché. <laughs> What's my motivation? You're Italian. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> you're, you're an Italian-American. You're the big guy. You're a big Italian-American. There you go. And you die soon. <laughs> <laughs> and you get sniped, Aren't and Aren't you it's glad sad. that you spent ten weeks... He spent ten weeks in basic? Yeah. <laughs> Why are they working on Vin taking falls so much? <laughs> no, that's not how you fall. No, you're, no, you're spinning too much. Yeah. So, yeah, now we learn the lesson that French people will try to sell their children to the military. Yep. And um, what happens next? Oh, then we walk some more, and then we go through this thing, and we come to a place, and then Paul Giamatti knocks down a wall trying to take off a boot. That's what I said. Yes. And inside, it's a surprise. It's a wall full of German soldiers. Uh Uh-oh. And they're all screaming, and everybody's screaming at each other, put their guns down, and everybody's screaming. And then, all of a sudden, Ted Danson saves the day. Yeah. Sam Malone to the rescue. And he shoots them all up and he kills them all. Yeah, he's like, why did you Not shoot? all of them, just the German soldiers. Yeah, <laughs> he kills the Americans too. Fuck this war! Yeah. 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 And it turns out, he has a Ryan. Yeah. He has He has a He has a James Ryan, A right? James F. Ryan. Yeah, yeah, but it turns out that he has the wrong James Ryan. The real James Ryan is played by Matt Damon, and this one is played by Nathan Fillion. Yeah. And so that's different. It's... And also, this is like Nathan Fillion's first movie, yeah. and he looks like he's 12. He looks like a baby. I, it took me a second to recognize him, because it's been a while since I saw this movie. I was like, is that fucking Nathan Fillion? Holy shit! Look at him! Yeah. He's, so it turns yeah. out it's not. Yeah, it's not him. But they have a. They have a. a, a I get, I'm not sure what this scene is supposed to be. Where they, you know, they tell him, "Oh, hey, all your brothers are dead," and he just fucking loses it. And then he's yeah. confused because they tell him your brothers were killed in combat, and he's like, "But my brothers are still in grade school." Yeah, ha, and then ha, they figure out, just, oh, it's the wrong one. Yeah. And then at first you're like, ha ha. And then it turns sad again because he really just wants to go home and he's now he's afraid that everything got mixed up. And then yeah. we cut into the soldiers who are like, fuck Ryan, I don't, we don't want to, we hate him, blue. War is hell. Yeah, we're going to, we hate Ryan because we're, this is a waste of our time. Yeah, now they've, uh, now they've, uh, they've lost a man now. Yeah, one man isn't worth this, yeah. right? And they go sleep in a church. Yeah. And then to make sure that we understand that one man isn't worth it, Tom Hanks has to say it out loud. Yeah, exactly. He's I hope this Ryan cures cancer or some shit. Yeah, and his hand's shaking. Yeah. And they talk about that a little bit. They're like, hey, your hand's shaking. He's like, yeah, I know. Anyway, Ryan. <laughs> Fuck him, right? Better be great. <laughs> yeah. And then they uh, they go and they meet paratroopers. Yeah, uh, there was a crashed uh, troop glider. Yeah, yeah. Because, the gem- because the general put a jeep in it. And you can't put a jeep on a glider. 
I don't know why no one just physically stopped him from doing it, but they did it anyway. <laughs> Symbolism. Yeah. Because mm. they say again, all that for one man, yeah. huh? Subtle. Because we're dumb. They, yeah, he, he literally <laughs> says that, and then Spielberg cuts to Miller's men for like 20 minutes just looking at each other <laughs> meaningfully like, yeah, yeah, get it, right, right? We know what he means. Yeah, we get no, it. No, actually, one of them literally says... There's a lot of that going yeah, around. Yeah, that's true. It's even more it's obvious Ryben than that. It. Yeah, it's even more obvious than that. Yeah. Uh huh. Because it's literally like the guy who's reporting it, the pilot. He, he could have turned directly to the camera and said his line. <laughs> all of that. All of those people dead for just one man. Is it worth it? <laughs> and then it could have just. I mean, fuck you, movie. Really? <laughs> oh boy. He's stretching his Spielberg muscles. You know. Yeah. So anyway, they get a bag full of dog tags of dead guys, and they're hoping that Ryan's in there, right? Yeah, so, so they, they can go the fuck they, home, exactly. Yeah, they sit down, and they start going through all the dog tags, they're joking around, and then the medic gets it up his butt because they're going through the dog tags of all these guys who are marching past him, and all of those are their dead comrades, and yeah. it's really kind of gross. Yeah. And so Tom Hanks loses his patience, and he just starts screaming Ryan's name. <laughs> and it works! And, and it works! <laughs> And they meet some guy who's deaf because a grenade blew up next to his head. And he confirms that Ryan hooked up with another group and they're in Rommel now. Right? Yeah, which is a village that's sort of close to where they are. And it's right on a river. And they're they're supposed to be there defending a bridge is what they're told. Yeah, yeah. because it's going to be the only bridge and they got to defend it because Germans want it. And... <sighs> because, because war trope. Yeah. Because war trope. Got to defend a bridge. Remember, this was going to be destroying all of the other war films because of war trope. Yep. Anyway, so uh, they start heading to Rommel, but first they've got to pad, pad the film, a attack a thing for no reason, get the medic killed. Yeah. Prove that the captain might be bipolar or something? I don't know. They come across a radar tower that doesn't work. It's broken. Right. Right? It's been blowed up. But there's a pillbox there. And I don't mean like a little box of pills. I mean, there's like a, it's like a little box of pills, but instead of pills, it's German soldiers. <laughs> yeah. And instead of pills, they've got bullets and machine guns. <laughs> yeah. And, anyway. and they find some dead American soldiers that have presumably been killed some by those Germans. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And so... Uh, the captain goes, okay, come on, get ready, we're going to take him out. And the entire the entire platoon is like, what? <laughs> we can just go around him. Yeah, let's just we sneak past him. <laughs> this isn't our mission, boss. We just don't. And he's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. <laughs> I'm the boss. I'm the boss, you do what I say, let's go. I'm the Tom Hanks of this motherfucker, and you do what I say. That's right. So they attack it. Yeah. And what happens, Steve? Uh, well, they, they take the position, but their medic gets shot and dies. In, and has a horrible death has scene. Has a horrible death scene, crying for his mother. Gets a death scene that this movie doesn't deserve yeah. at this point. Yeah. Because if we were still doing the Omaha Beach thing. Oh, God. Great. Yeah. Great death scene. Yeah. This was this was needless. This was, this was literally to make us feel bad. And yeah. And feel awful. Yeah. And so... The medic dies, and then they're beating up one of the, the surviving German guys, and we'll just call him Steamboat Willie, since they never gave him any other name. Yeah. Call him Steamboat Willie, because they force him to dig a grave, and while he's in there desperately pleading for his life, he starts going through all the stuff that he knows about America, 
like Steamboat Willie. Right. And he goes, Steamboat Willie, toot toot. And he's like Betty Grable and all yeah. this, whatever he knows to stay the fuck alive. Yeah. Including, fuck him. Right. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Right. Yeah. So they humanize this German soldier, right? Yeah. They, they, he's a person. He's not, he's not a, he's not, or at least we think. Because later, oh, it fucking movie. It turns out, oh, <laughs> yeah, fucking movie. Anyway, so uh, yeah, the captain makes uh, Steamboat Willie dig a bunch of graves. Um, the only one that wants to treat Steamboat Willie like a person is Upham. Yeah, and he tries to give him water, and they take it away from him. The guys want to kill him. They want to, you know, they want him dead. They're angry because you know the medic died. Yeah. How do we know that the medic was going to die? Oh, by the way, in the church, the medic was the only one that had a monologue about his mom. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, he's getting a lot of lines all of a sudden. Wonder if he'll die. Hmm. <laughs> well, and you know they they uh, they foreshadowed the death of the Vin Diesel character too because one of the yeah, uh, one of the the little cutesy you know notes is everybody wonders what captain miller does for a living outside the army yeah and vin diesel's mm-hmm. guy like literally the scene before he gets killed he says i know what he does and where he's from because i listen to the clues and you're like oh and then when he gets killed you're like oh okay oh, oh. that's why <laughs> yeah so for whatever reason the captain's bipolar disorder really kicks in because first he wanted to attack these guys and now he's going to be like, no, we're letting him go. We're letting him go. We're going to blindfold him. We're going to tell him to walk a thousand paces that way. We're not going to kill him. We're letting him go. Um, in the real army, they would have shot him. Yeah. I'm sorry, but, I mean, that's just the way it is. They're on a mission. If this guy makes it back to the platoon, he has information about where they're going. Right. And they don't have the, right. they don't have the option to turn him over to someone else because they're the only ones yeah. there. And they can't take and him along. And it's cruel to – they can't just tie him up and leave him there because it's cruel to leave a man to starve, to starve or dehydrate to death because there's no telling when someone else is going to arrive. Right. Right? It happened. It happened, guys. I'm sorry. It just happened. <sighs> anyway, so <laughs> – he walks off, and um, uh, what's his name? Rybin says, fuck it, I'm leaving. I'm not listening to you. Yeah. You got, you know, now two of our guys are dead. You weren't going to kill this guy. You, you made us attack this place for no reason. And I was kind of like, yeah, he's got a point. He's kind of <laughs> completely right. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a point. I think maybe you should frag the captain and take over because <laughs> Just... he's not... Doing what he's supposed to yeah. be doing. All right, guys, I'm running this outfit now. No, yeah. but uh, Horvath uh, pulls a gun on Ribbon and says, you're not going anywhere. And then um, after he's had a really good cry, the captain, which is a good scene yeah. that yeah. Uh, this movie doesn't deserve, but it's a good <laughs> scene in which he has to hide that he's crying, yeah. which I think is, is a great character thing. And he comes out, and then he lets everyone know that he was a school teacher, and he's been away from his wa- his wife, and he has that line that says, "Every single person that I kill makes me feel farther and farther away from her," and and that's which is funny because I'm going to kill a lot more people after this <laughs> point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I guess his speech worked because Ribbon doesn't leave, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, all we really learned from that entire thing is that Upman is uh, Upham is compassionate, and the captain can't be relied on to make good decisions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of important. Yeah. 
okay, so then they hide from, they're out in a field and they hide from a half track. Yeah. And a half track, I'm not going to explain it. It's a it's an army thing. Anyway. It's like a little vehicle, yeah. It's like a vehicle filled with guys. Yeah. And it gets yeah. attacked. And I'm like, who's attacking it? And then they shoot more German people. And then these three guys come walking up. And he's like, hi, I'm Morty. Hi, <laughs> I'm Private Ryan. And who's the other guy? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so they walk all the oh, way back. Oh, we found you. Yeah. They walk back to Ramel. They get a lowdown saying, yeah, there's like nine of us and we barely got anything and no one's coming to relieve us as near as we can tell and we've got to hold this bridge because we're Americans and that what that's what we do. We don't yeah. hold the bridge and the Germans take it. It'll be bad and blah, blah. <clears throat> and the captain's like, well, that's too bad, but I got to take this guy. We're going back. We're going back. Take you back. All your brothers are dead, by the way. All of them are Sorry. dead. Sorry. <laughs> And he's like, what? And he's like, all your brother's dead. You're going home. And Ryan is like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to reiterate all the arguments that have been made up until this point, but now I'm saying them this time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't want to leave. He says, you know, like, tell my mom that I refuse to leave my comrades in arms. Yeah, he's like, the only brothers that I have left are the ones that I'm fighting with, right? Yeah. And the other guys are like, oh, man, I was so ready to hate him. But now I don't know how I feel, because he feels like we do, I guess. Now so, he's going to get us all killed. Right. So uh, Ryan decides that they're going to stay and defend the bridge, because we're America and we fight shit. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going to defend the bridge as best they can, and they set up a kill zone, and they do a bunch of stuff, and there's a montage of stuff where they make sticky bombs that don't work. boy and one of them really doesn't work yeah and now we enter into the uh, next big fight scene right yeah so let's break it down for time shall we let's do it. everybody (laughs) die oh man yeah it's uh it doesn't go overly well for the americans once the germans show up great the germans show up and they fight for a little while and and um, the Jewish character gets killed by a dude with a knife because Upham is too much of a coward to go upstairs and help. Right. Right? Right. Because Upham is the guy who's going to run around and give everyone ammo, and he fails to do that job, and then everything falls apart. Yep. And then Upham, remember, Upham is the one that's compassionate, right? Yeah, he's the one who argued to to let Steamboat Willie go. Yeah, he's the one yep. that wants to write a book about the brotherhood of being in the army, blah, 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 blah. He's the intellectual supposedly <laughs> anyway so everyone gets shot Horvath gets shot and he gets shot in a stereotypical way in which he's too tough to admit that he's been shot and he throws his helmet at the guy who shot him and then he shoots a guy I mean it's guys ugh, so many tropes just because there's blood now does not mean the tropes are different <laughs> it's explosively violent you know Johnny Rube up in the tower gets blowed up by a tank yeah <laughs> boy they're falling back to the bridge, and then um, they, they're going to build a, blow the bridge or something, and then, okay, so here comes the great part. Ready? Here. <laughs> Captain, Captain Miller goes out. He's going to do something. He gets shot. Who shoots him, Steve? It's none other than Steamboat Willie who shoots him. Up somehow sees him do it, yeah. right? Yeah, because he's, he's uh, um, hiding. hiding. 
like three inches from the Germans. And since they live in a two dimensional world, yeah, (laughs) none of the Germans see him literally like three feet away. This is what compassion gets you guys. Remember all the humanizing we did to Steamboat Willie? Turns out he's not much more than a meat monster that joined his his monster machine. And now he's dressed right back to being evil again. Yeah. Yep. So he shoots the cab. The captain goes down. Captain's shooting at a tank as it goes over the hill. But then what? It goes over the bridge. But what happens, Steve? Well, he's shooting at the tank, and then all of a sudden the the tank blows up, and he's killed by shrapnel. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. No. There's a um a. a Fighter planes have arrived and tank they're dropping, busters, dropping yeah. bombs. Yeah, yeah, tank busters. They drop bombs and they, they've arrived to save the day. And was it only airplanes that showed up? I, I it seemed like it was only airplanes. Maybe yeah. some other people showed up, but it seemed like it was mo- mainly the airplanes. That but apparently, the, the German soldiers the soldiers panicked when they saw the airplanes and they <laughs> ran away. And then <laughs> up and, up and pops up, and there's a group of German soldiers and Steamboat Willies in there. And Simbo Willie goes up him and calls him by name and up and up him shoots him because he's a real life goddamn American soldier now, right? Yeah, he's a no, man. No more compassion for him. He got his first kill. Now he's a man. That's right. And then um, uh, Ryan, who uh, started uh, curling up and screaming like a little baby towards the end there, yeah, where it all seemed lost, uh, comes back to Captain Miller, who's dying. He's laying up against his jeep. And then uh, Captain Miller leads in and says something directly to the audience. This isn't directed to the character. This line is directed to the fucking audience. <laughs> and what does he say, Steve? He says, earn this. Earn oh, it. yeah. And then, then what happens? He dies. And then do a little American flags pop out of his helmet. And a, <laughs> yes. and a little sparkler going... Doo, 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 doo. And yeah, exactly. Little, and a little uh, light-up helmet comes on and says, Honored dead across the front. He sacrificed <laughs> exactly. all for you. Is that what happens? You ungrateful bastards? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So who's the, who survives? Upham? Uh, Upham and, and Ryben. Ryben. Yeah. That's it. That's, That's it. it. That's all of them. <laughs> oh, and Ryan. Ryan, of course, yeah. And then to show that he tricked you because you thought... Because you thought that Tom Hanks was going to live to the end, but he didn't. <laughs> they should have cut to the to the present day, and the old man was fading away. Well, no! I mean, they do a they do a morph cut. They do a morph, yeah. Where they they pan up to uh to <laughs> to Ryan as a young man, and yeah. it's like I <laughs> Miller's Captain Miller's last magic was to instantly turn him old. Yeah, and, and he I'll, just, you'll pay for this, Ryan. And he morphs into the old man yeah. that we saw at the beginning of the movie, right? Yes. Why do we go back there, Steve? Well, because he, we have to see how guilty he still feels for for everything, for all those people who died to save him. And he, his wife comes up and he's like, don't bother me. I told you not to bother me. I told you, and, God damn it. You thrash she, in your sleep, dear. I've been yeah. living with it for like 40 years. <laughs> and she, she notices the grave that he's standing over. And she says, oh, Captain John Miller. Who the fuck was he? Let me be and, dismissive about your service in the history. Of all this other thing. Yeah. And he says, he sort of, you know, tearfully looks to I her. Think, and he says, I think it's indicated in her performance that she knows who that is. 
Yeah, I, yeah, she she seems to recognize that it's significant. And if she didn't know who it is, I mean, it's clearly that it means a lot to him by the way yeah. he's hovering over it. Collapsed and, and, on the ground weeping openly. Yeah. Probably the most tears that the entire family has ever seen. <laughs> has ever seen him cry, yeah. And she, he says to his wife, you know, his son should have said, I fucking shouldn't, shouldn't have called him a goddamn capitalist stooge back in the 60s when I was a hippie, I should yeah. I have God some degree... I have I feel some degree he, of guilt. I feel really bad when we took over the company that he worked for and pillaged his <laughs> retirement plan. <laughs> but at least I got these pictures of him lying on the ground crying all the yeah, time. Yeah, I'll treasure these always. <laughs> anyway, um, he's like, tell me I'm a good man. She's like, yeah, you're a good man. And he's like, okay, good. And then what do we end with, Steve? <laughs> well, first... We end? Here's we the end? thing. Yeah, go ahead. I remember thinking this back in 1998... I was like, of course he's going to fucking salute. Of course he is. It's Spielberg. He can't help himself. He's got to do it. So then he salutes, right? Yeah, he he's... salutes Captain Miller's tombstone. And, yeah. and then we, we dissolve right back where we started. We end with flag waving. It's the yep. same shot of the American flag backlit mm-hmm. by the sun, and the waving in the breeze. And then that's it, right? That's the end. That's the end. And you go, ah, oh, I feel used. And you walk out of the theater. <laughs> I feel dirty. So, Steve. Uh-huh. How do you feel about this complete rewriting of the American War story, right? <laughs> Completely different from and started any over. other World War II propaganda film up before that. This one wrote the book. Everyone said it. And I think everyone was saying it because no one had made a fucking World War II movie for about 20 goddamn years. Yeah. Maybe more. They, maybe they forgot what the tropes were. <laughs> How do you feel about saving Private Ryan? <laughs> I have extremely complicated feelings about this movie. <laughs> You're um, joining my camp. Welcome to complicated I... <laughs> feelings about Spielberg. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, about Spielberg in general, but yeah, I, you know, about this movie in particular cuz mm-hmm. I I had not I had not watched this since it came out in theaters 20 years ago. I saw it when it when it opened um, mm-hmm. and watched it in a theater with like a, an auditorium full of weeping veterans. Yeah. And and I I had complicated feelings about it then. Um and they're even more complicated now that I've watched it again. Yeah. The uh, it there are there are two movies going on here and they're in direct contradiction to each other. Oh yeah, they are. There's there's a movie that we get in the Omaha Beach scene and in a few of the other scenes scattered throughout the movie that seem to want to be about the horror of war, yep. the dehumanization of war, the you know the chaos and how just how absolutely terrifying it was for these guys to be in that situation mm-hmm. and how and, and how futile and pointless and and just, there's 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 that movie that is in there that sort of comes to the surface very at various times. And then there's this other movie that that takes up most of the running time, which is this cornball, sentimental war movie from the 1940s or 50s. Mm-hmm. And those two movies just you, they can't coexist. No. And that's what makes this such an incredibly frustrating movie, because it is it is an incredibly well-made film. 
Mm-hmm. Technically, it's superb. The acting is terrific. Yep. It's very well directed. Spielberg, I think, definitely he deserved best director that year just for the the Omaha Beach sequence alone. But overall, that was ge- a body of work Academy Award. Oh, it, yeah, it probably was. But but in general, I think the film is strongly directed. There are some really really awful bits. There's some really there, there are some clangers where you're like, oh Jesus, give me a break. But for the most part, I think it's a very strongly directed film. Um, there's a there's a, a scene in sort of the calm before the storm uh, at the end of the movie when when they're waiting for the Germans to come into Rommel, mm-hmm. where it's it's four of of the guys we're listening um, to Edith Piaf, l- listening to Edith Piaf, and and they're sitting on a stoop. Um, in in this ruined, destroyed French village, and mm-hmm. it's and it it's, it seems like kind of a sad echo of what they might have done back home. Like it's just guys hanging out on the stoop, talking about music, talking about when they were kids. And I think that's a nice scene, and it's framed nicely. That Matt and, Damon monologue is improvised. And then, yeah, they, and then yeah, there's another scene. Yeah, with Matt Damon telling a story to mm-hmm. Captain Miller about when he, you know, the last time all of his brothers were together and his oldest brother was trying to get off with a girl and then the other three surprised them. That is, that is improvised. And I loved, I love Tom Hanks's, I love the way Tom Hanks played that scene where he, he doesn't quite do an eye roll, but he has a take where he kind of looks away and you can tell like, okay, he's the older man who thinks that this young kid is just kind of ridiculous. And, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't want to come out and say that's a really shitty story, kid. Yeah. But, but, but he just kind of listens politely and it's a really nice bit of acting mm-hmm. from from Tom Hanks there and um and Hanks in general I think does a really good job yeah. especially when he's not giving corny speeches when he's just playing in the moment I think it's one of Tom Hanks's best performances it, it's yep. almost a, it's almost a shame that he had already won two back-to-back Oscars at that point just a few years before this because otherwise this performance might have gotten a little bit more attention because it really is a fantastic For performance by Tom Hanks too. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. I think it's. I. I. I prefer him in this to Forrest Gump in Philadelphia. Uh, mm-hmm. e- easily because it's think not Philadelphia a, is a little bit, but Forrest Gump definitely. Phil, yeah. I mean, well, uh, yeah. Philadelphia is 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 a, probably a better movie, but mm-hmm. um, but I because this part isn't as showy. This isn't like a showcase role. He's obviously the star of the film, and he does get the little melodramatic touches like the shaking hands and you know. Um, but it's a much more subdued performance and a much less showy character overall. And I think he does a fantastic job. Most of the actors do a really, really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have this movie where it seems like it wants to be the gritty, you know, war movie. Like like we've said before throughout the, the summary, you know, it, it wants to be the war movie that tells the truth. That isn't the glamorized Hollywood version, and for the most part, that's exactly what it is, you know. And it, they have these even even in some of the the bits of the movie that are good, they they can't help but put in these little cheesy cutesy touches like Upham mm-hmm. not knowing what foobar means or mm-hmm. or the the sniper character praying before he shoots people it's totally it's like a cliche hollywood character yeah. thing, you know like oh, oh of course he's the world's greatest sniper and he you know fucking prays the rosary before he shoots or whatever and it, it's it's filled with those false touches that are like w- war movie cliches yeah. while it's also pretending to be this gritty realistic never before seen you know, unromanticized, de-Hollywoodized film. And that's what makes it so difficult to figure out because mm-hmm. there, the, there are moments in it, there are isolated moments that work tremendously, that yep. are powerful, that are affecting, that are difficult to watch at times. Um, and then there are moments that are just complete horseshit. Yeah. 
and yeah. it's tough. And it's it's so for that reason, I I like when we get down to the to the nub of what you know, do I like it or don't I? Do I recommend it or don't I? I can't I can't bring myself to say that it's a bad movie because there's enough of it that works and it's clearly it's filmmaking on a very high level technically mm-hmm. and in some cases artistically. Um, so I, I will, I'm giving it a, an extremely qualified recommendation, but, <laughs> but it is, it's, it's, it's a movie that like your, your suggestion way back at the beginning where you said, why not just do a whole movie about D-Day? Why not just do a whole movie about Omaha beach? Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that somebody had made that movie. I wish that Spielberg had made that movie instead. It would have been a very different movie than this. And it would have maybe been the movie that this movie occasionally promises to be, but never quite is for very long. Um, There are parts of it that work tremendously. And then there are parts of it that, like I said earlier, it feels like it could have been uh, a a mainstream Hollywood war movie made in the forties that Mm -hmm. completely betrays the parts of it that actually work. So there you go. Okay. My turn. Go for it. Okay. I'm going to put on my real, my real hat, my real reviewer hat now. (laughs) Francois Truffaut said, "That's the real critic part of me." <laughs> as soon as you, as soon as you quote Truffaut, I'm like, "Oh, he's serious <laughs> now." He's getting into some 400 blow shit. <laughs> Francois Truffaut said, "There is no such thing as an anti-war film," and what he meant by that is that cinema, by the very nature of the art form, automatically glamorizes war, no matter what it is that you're filming, because. Yeah being on film is glamorous. It, it, it heightens everything. Make to make things epic when the intention is to not make it epic. I would disagree with him. I think he was speaking as far as modern filmmaking goes because I think that um, I think All Quiet on the Western Front successfully does not glamorize war. Yeah, I agree. That could have been this movie. <laughs> um but there's a thing that happens with Steven Spielberg, especially in his later films, something that ruins his films for me, where they're going along on a particular track. I enjoy where they're going. I enjoy what he's saying. And then Steven Spielberg gets in his own way. And what I mean by that is he has to, must, absolutely must. He cannot have that audience leave sad. He can't do it. He has to have his happy ending. And he will rip. He'll do whatever it takes to make sure that there is a hopeful note at the end of every movie, no matter what the fuck we have ever... No matter what has occurred in the film. He does it in this movie. He did it in fucking Amistad. He did it in the fucking... He did it in in the goddamn Schindler's List. Yes, he did. He, He did it in Minority Report. He did it in... He's been doing it, and he fucking did it in War of the Worlds. He lacks the conviction to stick to the ending that he has developed up to a point. Yeah. And once he gets to that point, he's like, oh, that'll be a downer. He crams on a happy ending that seems to come out of nowhere and that the movie doesn't deserve. It is the most out-of-place thing that he does. Now, am I saying that this movie is great until the ending? Nope. But that's the reason why we have the old man. It's why we have the old man at the beginning at the end. Because we have to make sure that Ryan is okay at the end. He's got a loving wife and his wife tells him, you're a good man. And he goes, oh, that's right, I am a good man. Oh, goody. He we feels, oh, yay. And he salutes. And yay, that's service. And oh, I feel good. <laughs> Fuck you. 
I used to love Steven Spielberg's movie, and then I then I became more intelligent. No, I'm just I just became I started seeing his tricks. I grew up with with Spielberg films, right? Yeah, yeah. And when it's high fantasy or when it's just really just ridiculous adventure and stuff like that, you don't give a fuck. The happy ending is par for the course for those films. But ever since he's decided that he wants to make more mature films, he's still doing that shit. And he does it in this one, too. There's no commentary about war in this, is there? Have you noticed one? Not really. At least not a coherent one. No, there's no coherent yeah. one. There are I mean, little bits here and there that could be commentaries on war that the movie never embraces, really. And his points are directly to the audience. <laughs> when he wants to, when he wants you to understand what point he's trying to make, it's literally like one of the characters turns to the audience and says, Is this really worth all a man's life? And it's like, why are you talking to me now? I'm just sitting here <laughs> trying to keep my grandfather from killing himself. Why? Makes, <laughs> it makes you think, don't it? And and the worst part is is that the ending part where he says earn this that earn yeah. this is to us yeah that earn this is to the audience this earn this is to baby boomers and to other generations saying see what they did now you got to earn with their sacrifice good do, luck do, 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 do. <laughs> <sighs> yeah see the the prob the the problem the problem with this movie is that okay and I hate to do this but I'm gonna fucking do it. Because it's not fair, but fuck them. And all quiet on the Western Front, our main character is stuck in a bombed-out foxhole where he is forced to kill an enemy soldier. Right? Yeah, yeah. The enemy soldier continues to live on for a while, and you watch our main character go through all of the stages of, well, he deserved it, to, I promise you I will take care of your family, because we humanize him after the fact. Right? Right. With the character, the, 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 en- the only enemy soldier that we get to know in this one, is is Steamboat Willie, and then, oh, and it turns out he's just a mean guy, and he and he kills our lead protagonist. Yeah, so it's okay to shoot him because that's what that was the whole thing, right? Fuck yeah. compassion, fuck compassion. Should have shot him in the first place. War is simple; they're the bad guys, and we kill them. See, that's easy. That's that's good. Why have guilt when you kill him? Remember that because you're going to because the further you go into Germany, the younger those soldiers are going to get. <laughs> You're gonna have to kill a lot of kids. Sorry, I hate the fact that um, during this invasion, apparently only Americans did it. Apparently, there were only Americans, and when they mention other countries, they mention them just you know, kind of under their breath in a sneer. Oh, that's true. There is that line where they 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 sort of gripe about uh, Monty, General Montgomery, the, the yeah. British. Ah, he's taking his time. Bye-bye. Yeah, like, he isn't worth anything. Like, okay, we're Americans. <laughs> We did this all by ourselves. A French person should have said it would have been nice if you had been here before the Germans, but who cares? <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no mention of the Russians. No, oh, hell no. No Russians. They barely mentioned the other campaigns that apparently Horvath and Miller have been in because yeah. they, have, they have, they've been to, they've been to Africa and to Italy. Italy at least, yeah. So where, so what do we have? What do we have? Since we don't know what the movie's about, do you know what the movie's about? Saving it's not Private about, Ryan. It's, it's not about the horrors of war. That is no. because that first twenty minutes leaves a lasting impression. Had it been just about D Day and the horrors of war, yeah, that's what it would, what the movie would have been about. Is it? Is it about the sacrifice? 
about sacrificing themselves for one guy? Is that is that it? That they're all brothers or some shit like that? May, may, maybe. If you want that, go watch Band of Brothers. Yeah. The thing that, that Spielberg had nothing to do with. That was all Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. He went into one of his weird, like, hyperactive phases where he's like, I'm going to do a whole TV show about this shit. Yeah, they did. And he made an yeah. excellent TV yeah, show that absolutely. actually followed actual people. And yeah. they interviewed those actual people that were there being portrayed in the show. Wouldn't that neat? Yeah. yeah. He did the same thing after Apollo 13. He said, I'm <laughs> going to make a whole TV show about space people. This is That's cool. because Ron Howard didn't do that one right either. Yeah, <laughs> right. So basically, Tom Hanks' HBO series are him trying to correct the less than great movies <laughs> about really interesting subjects that he had just made. Yeah. <laughs> so if I don't know what the movie's about at the end of the movie, if I don't know what the point was being made, other than the ones that are being directed right at me, especially with the guilt trip earn this at the very end. Yeah. Which is directed supposedly towards Ryan, but is supposed to land on us. Truffaut yeah. was right. What did we get with this final one? Heroic men standing their ground in the last-ditch effort, and it fails. And they may really make it feel like the failure is because of Upham, because he's too much of a coward, right? Or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And had Upham just gone in and saved, you know, the guy from getting stabbed, and he'd been there with the ammunition, maybe they wouldn't have lost the bridge. And then, and then if they hadn't let Steamboat Willie go, the Miller would still be alive, right? Yeah, compassion sucks. Compassion is stupid, and we we hate it. <laughs> now yes i know i'm the same guy who just complained that they should have shot him but yeah. given the circumstances that was the more compassionate thing to do <laughs> well and see the th that that really the up -um thing it really hits on on the the sort of uh confused nature of the movie because like you just said you don't know what the movie's about mm -hmm. i don't know how we're meant to feel about upham shooting steamboat willie at the end are we supposed yeah. to think that it was good are we supposed to think yes it was we sad are that we're he's supposed lost to think his humanity there, like we do a pan in we know how the, the filmmaker wants us to feel because we do a push in on his face after he does it and now he's a hardened now he's a hardened soldier yeah he's saying actually he's not he's not the nervous guy when he tells the rest of them to run you know he's 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 found his balls i guess or something yeah. i don't fucking know or care at this point <laughs> i don't yeah. yeah when he when they deliver lines when he's like oh the angels on our shoulders when he's talking about the fucking airplanes it's like really you can't help yourself can you with this script and th and that's the problem is that when i get to the end of this movie i don't know what the movie wants wants from me i know i know well not i take that back i know what the movie wants from me what the movie wants me to do is have a, a respect for people that I already respected in the first place. <laughs> it's about time someone spoke up for those veterans of World War II. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's about time we understood what they went through. Well, I, I appreciate that. But you know what? There's a great little short film at the beginning of it that does a better point of that than tacking on two hours <laughs> of yeah. this stereotypical trope-filled drivel. Yeah. I like, I do like the characters. I like Tom Hanks's character. I like all. I, I think all the characters are great for the most part. But I hate the way that he he once again manipulates us to feel something, right? And then yeah. has to put in the, the the happy ending at the end. It's bullshit. And I don't and and I don't like being manipulated that way. <laughs> the, the only thing that's preventing Steven Spielberg becoming a great director is himself. If he could just hold back. Just a little bit, 
and curb the way he's making these films and rather because there's a part of him that I, you know I, I he must he must need to have a happy ending that's the only thing yeah. that I can think of he cannot leave a downer ending we don't need the flashbacks we don't need the fake out that's for fucking sure yeah yeah the other thing is is that there are too many big names in this movie that's true. It is. It's it's kind of an all star cast. I mean, most it's kind of, them... of an all star cast. And I mean, granted, Paul Giamatti, no one knew who he was, right? right. But when Ted Danson shows up and saves yeah. everybody, you're like, that's Ted Danson. Ted, what's Ted Danson doing here? Why is Ted Danson in this movie and he has five lines and then he's gone? Yeah, why that's are the, we? That's the weirdest part is that he's barely in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like why did he bring in Ted Danson for this guy? <laughs> <laughs> So uh, what I'm what am I saying? What I'm saying is um, I'm going to recommend the first, tw- not even the first. I'm going to recommend uh, <laughs> after five minutes, about twenty minutes of the film, from the opening shot of his hands shaking drinking the canteen to the ending shot of his hands shaking drinking from the canteen. Yeah. That is a short film that is. Uh, does not have any judgment in it at all, really, whatsoever. It's kind of a neat little short film if you think about it. As they, as they, as they are just suffering to get up onto up onto the beach and then up onto the the encampments. Yeah. And then when they finally get up there, they just start shooting people arbitrarily without checking, shooting people who are surrendering. You know, that is a little commentary about war right there. That says more in that short period of time than the rest of this goddamn movie. And um, I understand that people appreciate it. They like the war film, but against guess what? Truffaut was right in this case. You glamorized it. Yeah. You fuck. Even though everyone died, even though they didn't die terribly well, you still fucking glamorized war. You still made it about this plucky group who are defending, who are fighting off all of the Nazi army. It seems like at the at the German army at the very end, right? Because yeah. now tons of guys are coming over the hill, and now even more tanks that we didn't even hear reported. And, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> yeah, and just because they don't say, you know, they're just, we don't have a shot of them standing there with the American flag at the end, doesn't mean that the sentiment wasn't there. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I'm, I, I don't, I, <laughs> I, I, I want to recommend it for that bit, but not for the rest. Yeah, it's tough. It's 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 the it's performances tough... are good. I, I I hate to say that, but the performances are good. It's just the plot and the message are lost on me. I hate the manipulative of it. It's yeah. a great film. It's got great design and everything. And <laughs> if you want to look at it from that perspective, great. But I I can't recommend this film. Yeah. Really, I mean, I can, but I can't. It's just fuck you. <laughs> You're really lucky. I have a really bad movie to to. At the end of this, because there's <laughs> worse things out there than this movie. Yeah. So that's well, it. I don't know. Recommend, not recommend. Recommend, not recommend. Do you do you think part of it? And obviously, like, there's stuff that is specific <laughs> to Spielberg that you talked about, like his his sort of compulsion to put a happy ending on no matter what. But yeah. do you think part of it also is just culturally, we as Americans are reluctant to the point of just absolute refusal to make an anti-war movie about World War II because that movie has been so... Because that war has been because so that's glamorized. that's the quote-unquote good war. That's the good war. And, the, and yeah, exactly. Because the, the, the enemy were... Oh, we were fighting the Nazis and we were fighting these Japanese imperialists who attacked us first. And it's like there there is the moral imperative. And oh, we couldn't make an anti-war movie You'll about that You'll notice that, that we war. cut the Japanese a lot more slack lately. 
in our war movies. <laughs> yeah. And they were awful. They were just as awful. Oh, the Imperial if Japanese were so. vicious and cruel. and Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, but, but I think one day, maybe one day, maybe, we'll have a war movie about World War II, which just non-judgmentally has the people doing what they were doing and having yeah. American soldiers be American soldiers, having the German soldiers be German soldiers, and having, hey, I don't know, maybe having the other countries that were fighting in this fucking <laughs> war be represented at some point. Hi, Canada. <laughs> Remember us? <laughs> Your closest allies? Uh-huh. Remember? The ones that declared war against Japan before we did? Yeah. <laughs> They were literally like, oh, no, you didn't. That's our friend right there. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for your help, little buddy. <laughs> you keep being America's hat. <laughs> One day, maybe we'll have yeah. a, a movie that is capable of being able to tell uh, uh, a story from World War II where we can divorce ourselves from the overriding message of American superiority and yeah. you know and, and just, heroism and heroism and yeah. just have realistic people real people in in fighting a war I'll, well I, and I'll tell you something else because um, one of those things that this movie kind of just very very lightly touches on but doesn't explore that is such an interesting idea that is never that is, is has been done with other wars but is, has never really been done with World War II I think because we've we've you know glamorized it and and you know heroified it so much is like how how damaging it was to a lot of the people who fought it and there's yeah. there's there's a, a a sense with old Private Ryan at the end that they mm-hmm. never explore they don't have time to because the movie's no, over by then because where, fuck them fuck them yeah, you know yeah. what fuck, we don't need <laughs> when, to know what he's been through fuck well, them that wasn't when, the message earn this no, was the fucking message and, and and see there's there's a difference though there's there's a way you could explore that that could be really interesting because there's a look in that actor's face when he's at the end and he's looking down at that head headstone of captain miller and he's got earn this sort of ringing in his ears where you get the sense and i think this is probably true of a lot of soldiers you know mm-hmm. not not just ryan who was a special case who all these people died specifically to rescue him but you know i think it, it, there's a survivor's guilt of people who come back from a war and they feel it, they don't feel like people owe them for uh, for fighting for them, you know, it's not like the cocky John Wayne, like I fought a war for you. It's mm-hmm. it's the exact opposite of that. They feel mm-hmm. like they owe something that they can never repay because mm-hmm. they're the ones that came back. They survived, and they mm-hmm. know so many other people who didn't. And there's right. a there's a glint of that in that final scene with Old Man Ryan. That no, is such an interesting idea that the movie let's just take, has no interest in exploring. Let's let let's let's take a look at that and then take a look at it from. Let's say that the earn this line isn't for us, right? Right, the modern right. viewer. What if it is directed towards the veterans of that fucking war? Fuck you, movie. <laughs> fuck you yeah. hard. Go <laughs> fuck yourself. If that's the message to the survivors of World War II who went to war and fought, and yeah. the message of the film is earn this, go fuck yourself, movie. How about that? <laughs> like 60 years later. You know, I hope you guys think you did a good enough job. That's because, how I know that this this, yeah. this movie doesn't have the balls to do oh, that. Oh, no, I agree That's with you. That's why I know that this message is directly for us. It's not to Ryan. It's not to veterans of World War II. Because no, who the fuck would walk up to one of them and say, you got to earn, yeah. earn all this? You know, you uh, a lot of those boys didn't make it back, you know. 
<laughs> and then he dies. The old man kills him. <laughs> All right, Steve. Yeah. You recommend another movie. I've got to, I've got to go take a pee. Oh, okay. It's upsetting. It's okay. upsetting me. i got to go tickle the retreat and everything. <laughs> okay, so the movie I am... Uh, not recommending because I, I'm I'm giving the movie I give uh, Saving Private Ryan a very very qualified recommendation like just ooh just barely on the side of recommend so I'm giving a non recommend and the movie I'm not recommending is critically speaking one of the most reviled war movies ever made it's 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 got kind of a popular following among the masses but film critics just hated this movie and i can see why because i kind of hate this movie too it is a movie made in the 1960s it's not about world war ii it's actually about the vietnam war and it was uh directed by and starring john wayne and it was actually also co-directed by a couple other people that went uncredited Uh, (laughs) but it is of course the green berets The Green Berets is a Vietnam War movie that John Wayne starred in and directed, where John Wayne said, I got an idea. Let's make a Vietnam movie and pretend it was World War II. So that's what he did. And uh, Jason's back. What did you recommend? I'm not. I'm doing a not recommend because I just, I barely, you you know. So I'm not recommending The Green Berets. Okay, well, thank God. Yeah, it's <laughs> you didn't movie. you didn't think I would recommend it, did you? But yeah, it, it, it's it's a Vietnam movie that they said let's pretend it was World War Two. And... <laughs> well, it has to be World War Two because John Wayne's in it. Yeah, and it's and it's it, it's it, it has like I said uh, a few seconds ago. We're doing has... all this for you, little Vietnamese boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh boy, it's yeah, it's not a, it's it's not a good movie. Um, it. It's um, <laughs> and it was it it plays a lot like like an American propaganda movie like see that's what the war is really like it's you know um it's it has a certain popularity among some moviegoers but it's one of the most critically reviled war movies ever made Roger Ebert reviewing it at the time gave it zero stars <laughs> <laughs> and it made his most hated movies list and uh-huh. um, a lot of other. Uh, critics like newspaper critics and major movie critics uh, absolutely hated it said it was terrible it was offensive Um, and uh, John Wayne tried to defend it by saying I just wanted to make a movie about the soldiers I wasn't trying to send a message but of course you you can't not send a message like you can't make a movie that that makes Vietnam look like World War II and then say I wasn't trying to send a message that's yeah, the message. That's the message yeah. you sent, dipshit. Whether you meant to or not, mm-hmm. and he probably meant to. Um, My favorite so, thing is someone going in, watching that in the movie theater, going home, turning on the news, and then just getting angry. Yeah. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then also John Wayne. One of John Wayne's quotes about the movie also was, uh, "Well, uh, of course the Vietnam War wasn't popular. What war was ever popular? Well, how about World War Two, asshole? How about the movie? How about World, the, the war that you made all those war movies about? I think for a lot of people that was pretty fucking popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so that's my non recommendation. One of the worst, most awful, offensive war movies ever made: The Green Berets. Mm-hmm. While I was, um, you know, peeing my hate urine into the toilet just yeah. a second ago. Yeah, I remembered something else about oh, good. about Seven Private Ryan before I do my non recommendation. Let's hear and it. And that was this movie came out in ninety eight. 
in about three years, we're going to enter the longest war that we've ever been in. Yes. Yes. In 98, I don't think we were involved in much of anything. No. Right? No. So I think this movie got a lot of praise at the time because we weren't in a war. We weren't afraid of guys going off someplace to go die. We had a whole bunch of, you know, our our grandparents were starting to die off and we felt bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because we really treated them like shit for a really long time. <laughs> not us, not my generation. <laughs> the boomers. Yeah. The boomers. I was always wondering if this movie, if this movie had come out in 2007 or 2008, during the middle of the, you know, the take-your-pick war yeah. in the Middle East, yeah, how well it would have been received at that point. That's would a good question. Gone, yeah. Would we have gone, oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Eight war something? Anyway, time for me. Yeah. What could be worse than this movie? Like I said, there's some good <laughs> things in it. But boy, there's something awful lurking in 1998. Something so fucking bad. Oh boy. Something so awful. As you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year that the movie that I kind of didn't really recommend. I don't know how this one works, guys. I'm in a no man's land at this point. You're just going to talk about another movie, okay? Yeah. Talking about another movie. So, the movie I'm going to tell you to never watch, never see, ever, is a horrible, (laughs) awful, emotionally manipulative an inaccurate movie about an alternative medicine huckster and crazy person. (laughs) The movie that I'm going to tell you not to go fucking see ever, because the person that they based it on is a fucking piece of shit, well I don't want to say that, is a misled piece of garbage, (laughs) and the movie is an inaccurate, gross, emotionally manipulative shit pile that should be, that is, oh, just don't. Okay, guys, don't see it, please. The movie I'm telling you not to go see is Patch Adams. Oh, baby. <laughs> That's, oh, oh. Here's some fun things. Patch Adams is awful. That's Ugh. true enough. It's completely fabricated from top to bottom. Nothing that happens in that movie actually happened. <laughs> Like, literally nothing. And the real Patch Adams is a crazy person who believes in, in alternative medicine and holistic treatments. <sighs> yeah. You know, yeah. unscientific bullshit hoo-ha. He's yeah. also a madman who has hair down to his ass, and with half of which is dyed blue. And, <laughs> and he was upset that the movie didn't earn him any money so that he could open his, his Gesundheit Institute. Oh, yeah. He's one step above Wavy Gravy. He's one of them hippies. <laughs> I'm going to cure you through hugs. Uh, I have cancer. It's one of those rare instances where the the completely inaccurate movie about the person is just as awful as the awful person it's based on. <laughs> wow. I was wondering, because I, I don't know what movie you're going to not recommend before we do this. And I, when when you were building it up, I was like, I wonder what movie it is. What movie could possibly live up to that? And you, <laughs> that's it. You got it. It's absolutely everything you said it was. That's right. <laughs> don't even accidentally see it. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. It's a horrible movie. If you see Robin Williams on the screen, take a moment. <laughs> Make sure it's not this movie before turning, you know. Yes, let's let's find a better example of his work to honor his <laughs> legacy, please. 
I think he got paid twenty one million dollars to be in that movie. Uh, well, good for him. Yeah, good at for least him. at least he got to go to the fucking pay window to make this piece of <laughs> shit. All right, that's it. Hey, Steve, we yeah, gotta do this again. I know, and I have no idea what's coming next. Well, I want a little, I want a little bit more Vin Diesel. Oh, we didn't get enough Vin Diesel in the last movie. That's true. That's true. And like we both said, Vin Diesel is a good actor. He just needs better. He needs more better material. He is a, a terrific actor. Absolutely. Yeah. He can't. He can't keep playing that blind spaceman who kills people. <laughs> like Riddick. His defining role up until uh, the the Marvel movies. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, now he's Groot, but he's, he's Groot. He says one line over and over again. Yeah, but boy, this he says the hell out of it. That, this is a similar role that I'm thinking about. Oh yeah, and until recently, this was a movie that I thought we couldn't give a uh, straight review to, but turns out we can. Oh, turns out that through life through video and and through DVD and watching it on 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 your old computer box uh-huh. has turned this movie into a classic that everyone knows and loves. Oh boy. Even to the point for which, when it's misused in a dry, soulless movie, coincidentally directed by Steven Spielberg, people get fucking angry and write essays about how it's been misused. Oh, great. I can hardly wait. You want to know what movie we're going to review next, Steve? <laughs> what movie we go review next, Jason? We are going to review a movie that we've referenced probably, I don't know, maybe five or six times. <laughs> and it's been a while since we've actually done a review on a cartoon oh aha uh-huh. the movie we're going to review next is one of my favorite films of all time I seldom ever say it it's in it's up there with the thing try to figure that out guys <laughs> <laughs> you have eclectic taste that's true that's enough that's fine the next movie that we're going to review is the wonderful I don't care. I know that I'm supposed to be neutral. I don't care. The movie that we want you guys to go see before the next review is a little movie called The Iron Giant. Oh, yeah. And that's it. Thanks for listening to our review where I get frustrated and angry over Steven Spielberg again. (laughs) The latest entry in our recurring series. There's only been one movie that I haven't been pissed off at him at, and that's been Jaws. Yeah. His first one. His first feature film. His second one, actually, but who's counting? Yeah. (laughs) All right, so for late seating, this has been Jason Harding. And go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. The Statue of Liberty is kaput. That's disconcerting. Wait, maybe it is kaput. I need to go home and see if the Statue of Liberty is still there. That German guy said it over the last uh, uh, Come on, other private, other private Ryan, calm down. <laughs> I don't know. Everybody's said everything. I'm just going to run around and scream. No, Here, give me those honey. French girls. Give me, you can take them both under my arms. Honey. <laughs> no, don't honey me. Other Ryan. <laughs> no, I'm James Francis Ryan. I get to go home no. now. <laughs> no, you're not. You're James Frederick Ryan. No, I'm not. I'm yes, you James, are. Listen, I'm listen. James Franco, Ryan. Listen, you get to go home. You get to go home and star in a cult sci-fi series. That only lasts 13, 13 episodes. I yeah, never get any residuals then, from it. But then you get to star in a long-running ABC series that nobody ever watched. <laughs> You'll be fine. Well, no, I'm, I don't want to go home to that. Yes. I'm walking out to the square with no, my arms no, Ryan, no. What is going on down there?
I just see this man come running out with his arms. I mean, he wants to die. I don't understand. Maybe we're using the wrong record. Maybe, maybe the Statue of Liberty is kaput is too bad. Let's see what else we got. Mickey Mouse is kaput. No, I like Mickey Mouse. What do you think? Oh, Betty Grable's legs are trash. Let's try we that. Gra- we have Betty Grable is kaput. Yeah, kaput. Betty Grable sucks. <laughs> you stupid yeah. Americans. How about this one? Uh, American liberty is kaput. There we go. That's more true than they yeah. know. America. <laughs> you wait a few decades. You'll find out. Now hold me. <laughs> are we the baddies? <laughs> I think we are. <laughs> Why are Bye, everybody. <laughs> Why are they so mean to us in their films? Bye, everybody. Are they seeing our American war films? <laughs> are we sending them to them? I don't know. Yeah, just to piss them off. <laughs> we hate you oh, guys. Look. This ought to rile up their blood. <laughs> this one is called Die Nazi Die. <laughs> everyone, get into the meeting room. We're going to watch another American movie. <laughs> Oh, that was depressing. Yeah, but Betty Grable. Ooh. Ooh, nice gams. <laughs> I like it when she used her high heel to step right in the middle of a Nazi face. <laughs> she kicked Hitler right in the mustache. After this is Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that one. And then Dumbo. Oh, that one is sad. Yeah, but... He- with that Zumbo with the long nose and the ears. He oh, you know what that right. represents. It's just propaganda. <laughs> we have to end the episode. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. See, it's whenever we start talking in German accents. <laughs> we get, we get, can't help ourselves. <laughs> we start doing the voices and it's over. Yep. Oh, I can't believe we did an entire show uh, about Germany without mentioning Werner Herzog. That's true. Well, you you name drop him in your script for our opening skit, so. Oh, that's. True. I say I say I'm fluent in Herzog or something. Yeah. You think Werner's listening? Going, I can't believe that they did not mention me. <laughs> there was an entire I, film about killing Germans, and I was I not s- mentioned once. I thought I was a running gag. <laughs> Now I must confront the futility of my own existence. I'm going to stare into the jello dish, which is my dessert, <laughs> and seek answers which will never come. <laughs> Grandpa? <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> How can I have an existential crisis with your constantly smiling face, granddaughter? <laughs> We've okay, we're stopping. Okay, Ready? That's it. All right. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemme Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.